like movies about gladiators. Those men wanted to have sex with me. Great Scott. Nice Bieber. Oh, Cinderella boy. Rambo is a pussy. Come with me if you want to live. Hello and welcome. I'm Charlie McGee. I'm George McGee. And welcome to Retro Ramble. As you might have guessed it, we're brothers. We're not lovers. Brothers who grew up on a healthy diet of films and who enjoy rambling about it. The purpose of this podcast is to take a look back at the films we remember most fondly. Films that are worth discussing for one reason or the other, good or bad. We've spent so much time with these films. They're practically family. Like, you know, an old friend, a warm blanket, a pen pal or a a guy that you have strong feelings for. But anyway, enough about what we're going to cover. Here's a word from George about housekeeping. We are not journalists. Still not film journalists. We're still not film journalists. We're not getting paid for this. We I am. What? (laughs) We are film fans. We uh, we are relatively new to this podcasting malarkey. So in the words of Airplane... Cut me some slack, yeah? Hopefully you would have listened to a few of the episodes by now, but we always have a retro focus. We will go off on tangents uh, like all good skiers will go off piste. We'll cover uh, books that have inspired films. Uh, We'll talk about um, just random fiction books we're reading, TV shows we're watching, games we're playing, uh, or other film news of interest. Basically, we aim to keep you entertained by covering these films with a bit of banter, a bit of nostalgia, in a way that makes them accessible and might inspire you to go back and watch them again. The chances are that if you're listening to this podcast, it's because we're covering a specific film. But just in terms of courtesy, just to let you know, there's going to be spoilers throughout. We are going to delve into each and every act of this film, revealing the ending, uh, who gets killed with a big gun, all of that sort of stuff. So just be aware of it. We suggest that you watch these films perhaps to get the maximum enjoyment out of uh, this podcast beforehand. But it's not essential. But that's enough from us. Shall we get our ramble on? Let's get our ramble on. This week, it's, well, wait a minute, George, what year is it? And why are we here? So previously we we picked the, the random year of 1997. That had some great blockbusters. But we've jumped back another 10 years to 1987 for the cult classic, the franchise behemoth that is Predator. Whatever it is out there, it killed Harper and now it wants us. Nothing like it has ever been on Earth before. She says the jungle, it just came alive and took him. It kills for pleasure. He was skinned alive! It hunts for sport. It's killing us one at a time. But this time... If it bleeds, we can kill it. It's picked the wrong man to hunt. Ah! Arnold Schwarzenegger. Predator. Arnie at his best, uh, arguably. Yeah, I think one of the reasons why we, we've picked this as, uh, as one of our, our, our topics is it's, it's a big film. It's a very well-loved film for for people of you know our generation. Definitely one of our favourites. It's one of our favourites. Yeah, I would say it's one of Arnie's best. It's it's a great action film. It's a great 
uh, I think the that sort of the era that we focus on had some great examples of what I would call a, a genre mashup. So if you, it's you know, it's a bit, it's action, it's sci-fi, it's horror, the same way that uh, Terminator is or, or Aliens is. You know, it's it's a bit of a mix of genres, and I think that's why so many people are engaged with it, and the reason why all three of those films have been, are still. <laughs> love it or hate it they are still churning out films to this day they are the franchises that cannot be killed yeah and it's these films that they're kind of the reason we're doing this podcast they're, they're what turned us into the cinephiles that we are you know so they're very much the the dna of our retro ramble podcast our films like predator and it's and it's Predator. yeah the, these these films like predator i've lost count the number of times I've seen this film. Uh, I own it in, I think, various different formats. <laughs> um, it's something that, you know, we quote on a regular basis. People, you know... It's, Only a few times a day. Yes. Some of the quotes have made their way into sort of public lexicon. That Arnie is still churning out, you know... He's quotes. still saying it it's, on his mobile ads, isn't it? Yeah, on mobile strike! <laughs> Get to the chapel! Yeah, we should warn you that as we are covering Predator, there are going to be a lot of really bad Arnold Schwarzenegger impressions. I, I'm going to take a guess and say about 30% of this podcast will be bad Arnie impressions. There will be a competition on our blog, which is retroramble.blog, as to who does the best, worst impression of Arnie. I, I laugh whenever George says anything uh, as Arnie, but that just might be because it's bad or good. I'm, I'm not sure. But let's, with that adding in, George, what's your, what was your first encounter with the Predator? With the Predator. So, so <laughs> I, was, I was in the jungle. I was walking the dog. Um, I had been drinking. Uh, no, um, I, I honestly can't remember the the very first time I saw Predator, but I, uh, on good authority, I can take a an educated guess. Uh, it was at a friend's house on a VHS copy recorded off the, the telly, off ITV. So probably at one of our friends, uh, at James Glendinning or, or George Feeney's house, probably because they had a extensive video library of all these uh, classic blockbuster films that were totally inappropriate for the age they had that older are. siblings yeah they had older brothers yeah that, but they were still underage as yeah. well uh, I'm, I'm, i don't mean to get them into trouble um they i have you know uh, them to thank for you know my uh, my film initial film education uh so yeah i think i probably watched it around you know 10 years old so a little bit younger than the the, the target audience but I think it's safe to say I didn't watch it in its uh, in its purest form. I say it was recorded off TV, so there was commercial breaks, you know, breaking up the action. Obviously, um, cut cut for TV. Cut for TV. Yeah, it wasn't until um, I bought the special edition DVD uh, about fifteen years ago. Now, do you realise? That Dylan was black. <laughs> <laughs> that Dylan was black. Um, no, I, yeah, there was a lot of stuff that, that well, speaking of Dylan, uh, I had only read about it, but that, that whole, his uh, death scene um, where his arm is chopped off, oh, um, is it, it completely missing in the ITV cut. And the same as uh, quite a few of the deaths were quite poorly edited. I don't think there was any... Robocop levels of creative uh, cussing replaced, you know, sort of, <laughs> fuck you to, why me? Why me? Um, yeah, I don't think there was any of the, the melon farmer type um, 
linger, but there was a lot of the violence was cut out. And uh, yeah, it, so it was an incomplete experience, but that still didn't stop it from being a really memorable uh, film for me. I, I'm quite happy to admit I'm not a, a horror fan. Uh, and this is probably, you know, but growing up, this had just the right amount of horror and sci-fi and action that, you know, it was a, a, a real sort of favourite film for me. Well, in terms of my own uh, first encounter with Predator, I had no idea what this film was about, but I still persuaded mum to to get me the Commodore 64 Predator game. Uh, I had no idea what was going on. I think it was something to do with uh, like the infrared aspect of the film. Well, games games weren't as violent. You can't be really that violent on a Commodore 64 game. You can't really see anything. (laughs) Just lots lots of pixels. There's a guy walking across the screen. Could be a guy. Could be a guy. Could be... Is that Predator a girl? But, um, I mean, yeah, obviously this is one of those... Those films that, as you say, we used to watch with uh, with our friends when we when we were younger, when we were uh, at our tweeny age or younger, sort of between eight and, and and thirteen years old or whatever. And these were films we shouldn't have been watching, but they were our you know they were our our coming of age activity that we used to do. Uh, but I would just like to say, in terms of Arnie himself, he's he's a very big part of our lives. He he was. He's like an absent uncle. Yeah, he's he's kind of always been there, and and it was it was taboo, you know. Our, he's our, always been there for me. <laughs> our, our dad has his own opinions um, about Arnie, and just said, you know, the guy's just muscle. He's, uh, you know, he's he, he comes across as just like no zero talent, and obviously everyone's aware of of what of what Arnie is. But I think the reason why. Arnie is still relevant today and and has gone as far as he has is because he's embraced both his strengths and his weaknesses. And this film, it's it's such a good film for him. It shows it shows many different aspects of of Arnie that we didn't actually get to see again in some of his other films. Yeah, I think it's uh, well, actually, he wasn't he, typecast. My point is, he wasn't actually what, really typecast yet. He'd done a lot of well, he was Conan, on, Commando, well, and this, this is this, like height of his like fame. If you think this is just off the back of Commando and Terminator, so his stars really on the rise. So he's in real sort of power play position, sort of obviously. I think between it was his own project in a lot of ways. Yeah, I think he had a lot of he had a lot of say in terms of the, the picking the cast and and even the director. But I think you know f- fair play to Arnie is that he could have been a real diva about it and say, "Oh no, the film, the film all has, has I'm, I'm jumping into it already. It has to be all about me <laughs> taking on the monster, the jungle." Um, but he does, you know. Yeah, fair enough. The last third, the, the last third of the film is that. However, one of the strengths of this film is the the team banter, and it's all the different characters, and I and he was actually keen to stress that when they were fashioning the script and everything, and saying, you know, it has to be all about that team dynamic and the team getting picked off one by one. And you know, he's gone back to it, and and I think he said it's one of the films he's most proud of. And he should be. It still stands up today. And in terms of the. The production, Mr. Mr. Film Guy. Come on, George, give us the, what's the inside uh, industry scoop on uh, the director? I'm, I'm just, just going to put on my glasses here. Uh, so, yeah, the, the script did its, its, round, did its rounds uh, in Hollywood, and it was under the simple pitch, Alien in the Jungle. Um, <laughs> Seven hours to come over that time. Yeah, and I think I read somewhere that it was based off a, a joke that... 
are following Rocky for he had defeated so many people. The only person that could take on Rocky would be an alien or ET or something. <laughs> and, and it sort of evolved out of that joke. Um, but yeah, it was written by, by two brothers, uh, not lovers, uh, the Thomas brothers. I think it was a, what they call a spec script. So it was their, their first sort of script. And it was picked up by a legendary Hollywood producer, Joel Silver. And Joel Silver has um, had a huge career during uh, the sort of the, the retro ramble years, as I should... should uh, Thanks, Joel. Yeah, should categorise him. He's the man that get produced uh, Die Hard, the Lethal Weapon series, The Matrix, uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Jesus Christ. Um, so, yeah, he's a big player in Hollywood. He's a legendary... Uh, producer he's also got a legendary temper and has been actually you know he's such a big character in hollywood he's been parodied in films so he the producer character in true romance is based on him the guy that's doing loads of coke <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, also the the tom cruise fat suit uh, in tropic thunder you know the fat movie producer yeah, yeah. that tom cruise you know go fuck yourself in the face <laughs> that is also based on um, on joel silver so vicious rumors <laughs> yeah no, no apparently he's uh He's a real, he has an explosive temper, but, you know, the guy, I think his... Working C- under a lot of pressure. But his CV speaks volumes. He knows how to get results. Um, so, yeah, um, and, yeah, we've already touched on it. It was Ar- Arnie at the, you know, in his prime. Um, but I think the... So young. So, so young. And so he, butch. And I think he actually lost uh, a, a bit of weight for it to sort of get down to sort of more sort of... Realistic-looking soldier rather yeah. than bodybuilder. Yes, rather than body, bodybuilder knocking down trees um, or carrying trees, I should say, <laughs> on his shoulder. Um, but I think the the real sort of star player here um, is director John McTiernan, who, uh, again, would go on and had a real hot streak after this. So he did... Um, Predator. He, his next Die, film was Die, Die Hard, yeah. uh, The Hunt for Red October, and so those were th- three in a row. And then he, he and then he did, went on to do. He did Last Action Hero, which I like that. It's 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 a flawed film. It has some good moments in. It's um, a B movie, but it's it's, bit, it's, yeah. it's it's good. Um, but he also came back for uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance, which yeah. is a great film. And then yes, sadly enough, his sort of career has dwindled, and he even uh, it's actually quite a sort of bittersweet tale um he ended up going to prison for a while and has lost a lot of his money he um did the last film he did uh was a film called basic with uh, john travolta and uh samuel l jackson and that didn't do very well but before that he did the rollable remake which was a true stinker and uh, on the on the production of that film he um got a private investigator to wiretap one of the other producers because he was a bit paranoid that he was being screwed over who's stealing your thoughts yes exactly and he got caught out so he actually yeah he did some time in prison um a few years ago and it's a real shame because you know if you look at this film you look at Die Hard. I haven't seen um, Hunt for Red October in years, and I really need to go back and watch Sean. it. Sean, Sean, Sean uh, Comrade. Um, but yeah, it's, it's on my Netflix list. It has been for ages. I need to go back and watch. It. I, I really uh, rate Die Hard with a Vengeance. I think it's a really good sequel. So yeah, I think it's it's a real shame. But I think he's um, a big reason why this film works. 
Yeah, and in, in terms of how it works for us, I think it's it's probably worth pointing out about in terms of how this film was received back in back in the day. Because uh, I, I think if if I was to say to you, do you think I'm talking about Predator when I say that it is grisly and dull with a few surprises? Because that's what the New York Times said back in eighty seven. Back in eighty seven. Shut up, New York Times. You know nothing. You know nothing. No, I think uh, Roger Ebert, the good old. Um, late Roger Ebert, who we know and love, um, he gave it three out of four stars and said that it supplies what it claims to supply, an effective action movie. But as George has said, this is a, a genre, a genre uh, mashup. This is sci-fi, there's horror, uh, it's quite mystical, uh, the suspense. Uh, yeah, I th- and I think that's why it works. Like, if you... If you didn't, uh, if you started the film late, and as as you actually, um, <laughs> if you watched the TV version, or you may have missed the star of the recording, like yeah, the, like with, with dodgy tracking. Oh, look, there's an alien ship. Yeah, um, you might have, think you know, watching the first twenty minutes, that you have stumbled across a sequel or of sorts to Commando. It's you know, it's guys in the jungle, men on a mission. Lots of oh, and he's got a big gun, and yeah. he's, he's quoting one-liners as he's as he's killing people. <laughs> You're like, whoa! It's definitely Commando. So, without further ado, should we just let's just dive right in? We're going to go through, uh, you know, each act of the film because I would say this is one of those films that has pretty definable acts. Um, definitely, definitely, um, definitely a good solid three-act structure. And in terms of finding our way into this film uh, it's, it's, I think we have to talk about the music really because it's one of the first things you hear and it, it's <laughs> well uh, yeah I mean we it's it haunts you throughout this film it's brilliant soundtrack it's, it's a cracking soundtrack so uh, soundtrack is by Alan Silvestri um, who is also it's probably no surprise because it veers very close to the Back to the Future soundtrack yeah there are times where it's like it's very, damn where is that kid it's very <laughs> close um, so yeah he is um, he's done a, a, a he's, you know he's quite an accomplished composer he's done a lot of the Robert Zemeckis films so he's done the Back to the Future trilogy he's done Forrest Gump um, he's done but most recently um probably most people will know him for he did the Avengers uh, theme tune so you know as in you know the Marvel Avengers yeah uh, so yeah he's um, but yeah he's still really, getting work he's still getting work bless him um, I mean yeah he's probably not as well known as your, your John Williams your Hans Zimmer uh, Jerry Goldsmith but I think the soundtrack is is great it's it's really it adds a sort of epic nature to the film it adds a a gravitas it, it gives it that sort of you know it's punchy it's and it's yeah it's sort of adds tension when when it needs tension yeah I was thinking of just like putting it as bedding music to this entire podcast episode but I won't yeah I mean I think it's, it's just great intro music if you just had that walking into a meeting that's great running music background dinner music driving music love music love music Babe, I'm uh, just put on a new uh, sexy time playlist. You get to the suspense. Oh. <laughs> Are you familiar with the works of Alan Silvestri? <laughs> uh, so, I mean, I in terms of um, the, the start of this film, I forgot how much goes on before they get in the jungle because when I think of this film, I think of, as you say, the guys in the jungle and the only thing I remember from the start of the film 
It's the bicep handshake. But before that, there's a lot of stuff going on. There's helicopters landing. Um, there is the uh, there's the first very clever foreshadowing of infrared because the first infrared we see is actually in the helicopter. So it introduces it. I, I, did you know? Okay. Did you spot that? No, I was going to say about the the first landing. When so they they talk about his entrance. Well, <laughs> and you've got Arnie's entrance with a stogie. With, with a stogie, <laughs> um, you know, a cigar. A yeah, cigar. Just just emphasising that he's the boss. So the team land in the chapel, um, <laughs> but then they are driven all of like twenty meters to the office. Yeah, it's I like, couldn't understand that. It's like, like get in the jeep. <laughs> well, why not land closer to the office yes. or just walk? <laughs> um, I was just really. I mean, I suppose it's showing off the military hardware, the yeah. base. Um, but yeah, you, we can't avoid that that ar- that arm wrestle. I think it is the most. Is it an arm wrestle? It's an air wrestle. It's, 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 it's an it's air arm, arm wrestle handshake. It's, it's a bicep thing. But we, how? Where do we start? I mean, there is so much. If we want to talk about what is online, what what this this one handshake has, I, has inspired. There's a cartoon. There's a there's a website. There's a logo. There's a blog with which is just the two biceps. Yeah, no, I I saw a it was a few weeks ago. I saw a craft beer in in a pub in London, and it was called uh, Dylan, and that the, that was the symbol that the biceps in, yeah. in that clenched embrace. Um, so yeah, it's iconic. I think it is the most famous arm wrestle bicep air. shot. <laughs> the most famous air arm wrestle, definitely. Well, yeah, it's, it's fairly unique. What I want to know was that in the original script. So there we go. The camera closes in and we see two greased up, <laughs> sweaty, black versus white, yeah. bulging biceps. It's, it's a, a meet of two powerful people. It's weird though, isn't it? When we, you and I go back watching this film, we've watched this film so many times. We know it backwards. We, we kind of know what's coming. We're still trying to, you know, we're still taking something from it each time. And for me, this time, what I took from it, it's, it's amazing how much subtle exposition Arnie does in one line. So there's the <coughs> fact that, yes, they grab, sorry, we are going to analyze that air. I'm going to try and analyze that air. Uh, arm wrestle. Air shake. Air shake. We'll, get, we'll call it the air shake. So, yeah, he grabs, Arnie wins, so that's the first thing. Yeah. But it's the way he delivers the line. It's like, you know, if you read into that line, what's, what's, we'll play the trailer, whatever. But he's basically mm. saying, Come you on, know, t- you've t- lost, you want me to explore it? What's wrong, Dylan? CIA got you pushing too many pencils? There we go. So, yeah, it's the fact that Dylan and Arnie have obviously, Dylan and Dutch, have obviously worked together in the past. Um, Arnie's established is telling they the audience history. They have a history, and Arnie's telling the audience that that Dylan works for the CIA and that he's out they of action, and that he's softened, and that's all in one line. And this brings me to the point that we will, which which I hope we're going to discuss a little bit. That every single thing that Arnie says to Dylan, that that relationship, it's so it's such an arc in the well, film. Well, that's it. There's there's a lot of quick exposition, and I think for years it went over my head now and it's still sort of I'm still a little bit shaky about the 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 lie the cover story that Dylan gives them to get in and what was it, the actual real reason that there's some CIA mole ends up captured by guerrillas there's something to do with Russians it's never properly explained it's sort of like a it's thin because it's like what is it the cabinet cabinet minister does he normally travel on the side of the polar (laughs) Um, you know why us and and that's it because you're the best of the best 
Um, and yeah, that was the whole real rescue party, not assassins. <laughs> and then you go and see him blow up an entire village. Uh, and then throw knives into people. But we'll get to that. But I mean, yeah. going back to the air shape for one moment, it is, there's so much done. It's like CIA got you pushing too many pencils. And then the whole thing, he wins the arm wrestle. And it's like, Dylan, you still don't know when to quit. And yeah. so in, in... Foreshadowing. Yeah, it's that's what I'm saying. In a few yeah. seconds, they've established relationship. History. It's weird, yeah. but it's it's hilarious to actually yeah. analyze this, considering how many times we watched it, just giggling, just waiting for those immortal words for Arnie to come out. Yeah, with. <laughs> it still, still works every time. But there's so much more to that. But it's it's yeah. just funny to look at it with uh, with fresh eyes. So you were touching on the. Uh... The, the Chopper scene, the, the, where they're, they're travelling to the, the drop zone, is that when you talk about the infrared? Uh, it's actually when they first land on the beach before they get in the jeep to travel uh, 20 okay. yards. Um, I just noticed it on the well, second rewatch that the um, they show it, that they're getting off and for some reason, well obviously the helicopter has the infrared, but it's very clever because it kind of shows the audience, hey look infrared, it does exist. Uh, and so yeah. it actually, I guess, makes it more understandable yeah. that, the, that a future sophisticated yeah. alien race might have this uh, uh, built into a visor <laughs> helmet uh, so I'm just going to take my glasses off yeah. there you go so yeah I mean that's why but yeah then we go into this scene that, where the, they're on the, the that, there's the a helicopter. lot of choppers in this film uh, I've <laughs> there's a lot of choppers how many do you think how many no choppers were harmed no um, choppers were harmed there's not as many uh, chopper explosions as broken arrow as as my dad will well, yeah. my dad will frequently remind us um, so yeah the, the chopper scene where they're going to the mission you've got um the song playing a long tall long tall sally by little richard which is a great song um and for years I, it took me ages to work out that that's the song that mac when he goes full nuts mode <laughs> and is stripping off that's what he's singing oh because uh, i didn't know that yeah. I, I didn't spot <laughs> um, he's actually singing lyrics or some some form some twisted version of long tall sally edit george's impression of mac needs more work <laughs> Um, but there's an interesting uh, blooper Um, so they're listening to it on this massive 80s ghetto blaster but if you look closely there's no tape in the ghetto blaster (laughs) but the other point I I have and I'm always a stickler for this because I brought up something similar on Face Off they're all in this chopper I've never been in a helicopter, but it's very loud. How the hell can anyone hear this music? Because yeah, they always have to have the headphones. Yeah, on. they've got the dampeners, so I don't know. Maybe maybe it's coming through the headphones. Dramatic license, it's something poetic like licensing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing that I picked up on, um, they're all putting on the camo paint, and it made me <laughs> hot shots. Yeah, immediately <laughs> think of hot shots where the guy's putting it on, and he just gives it to the black guy, and he just looks at him. <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, again, it's sort of—it's obviously a little thing that Hot Shots has picked up on. Um, but there's some great team banter. I mean, in that whole first third, but that starts in in the chopper. So you've got um, Blaine, uh, played by Jesse Ventura, the the man with the the most impractical uh, weapon of all time, the old painless. Yeah, to take into the jungle as well. To take into the jungle, the fact that... He's got to carry all the ammunition as all well. All the ammunition, it needs power. It needs oil. Um, <laughs> only, only certain people can carry it, like apparently... It needs to be attached to him. And, yeah, and it, well, it, needs to be, it needs to be attached to something solid. <laughs> so it's complete, like, as you say, poetic licensing. Um, 
Um, but yeah, going back to that chopper scene, you've got the goddamn sexual Tyrannosaurus. Slack jawed baggers. Good old 1980s banter. Um, yeah, you know, good old friendly banter, but you've got, um, obviously you've got Shane Black banter. So yeah, sort of quickly jumping back to sort of production background. So you've got Shane Black in this film who plays Hawkins, who's the geeky guy with the glasses that tells the pussy jokes. Shane Black is not a, a traditional actor. He's actually better known as a, he's a legendary screenwriter. He's the man that wrote Lethal Weapon when he was 21 years old. And more recently, Iron Man 3. Well, he's now, yeah, he's moved on to directing, so he's behind Iron Man 3. He did, uh, most recently, he did The Nice Guys with Russell Crowe and uh, Ryan Gosling. Um, but yeah, he, at, for a time during the 90s, he was the highest paid scriptwriter. And around the time of Predator, he was, um, well, uh, he was being sort of mentored by Joel Silver. And Joel Silver said, hey, you know, come down to Mexico. Um, I want you to, you know, you can have, I'm working on this film and you can rewrite the script and I'll give you a part in it. And I think Shane Black may have written his, uh, like he came up with the pussy jokes. He's like, yeah, they were just jokes I would tell to Joel and get a big laugh out of it. Um, but I think he did a little bit of polishing on the script, you know, to enhance it. He is very good with wordplay and he's very good with blokey type banter. I mean, if you've seen, obviously, Iron Man 3, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, he's a very good scriptwriter. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. This is his one and only sort of acting role. Yeah, and I always forget he's in it. Like, it's right, it's every time. I don't know why. I know he's in it, and I know he's a writer, and I know this is, like, where we first came across him, but it was, like, watching it again this time. It's, like, at the end, when his name comes up, it's, like, that's who he... Because I know he's in it, but I can't remember which one he is, whether he's... He's that guy or the one oh, who's, like, he, the one who was... Oh, you know, the one who gets... Oh, p- Pancho. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, no, I think he's... Um, He's also the probably the most sympathetic character out of the locks. You know, all the other ones are quite... Are enormous. <laughs> all, all enormous. Well, apart from, yeah, uh, Poncho's quite small as well. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, obviously he's he's the first to go. But you sort of almost feel... I, remember, I don't know if it's just me, but I always remember feeling sorry for him when yeah. he dies. Um, but we're getting ahead there because, um, obviously, they go on the mission. They come across... Another chopper, a crash chopper. Yeah, with Jim Harper. <laughs> Jim Harper's chopper. Jim, Jim Harper's chopper. Okay, Arnie, we're gonna have to remove that line. <laughs> Why? Because the cast and crew are just creasing up. Whatever you say. Um, and then we quickly get to the first set piece. I'm calling it the guerrilla base attack because rebel base sounds a bit too Star Warsy. Yeah, and this is the uh, we are rescue team, <laughs> not assassins. And I've I've just got my notes here in in uh, capitals. So many explosions. <laughs> there's there's one point. I mean, you've got the whole point where Arnie picks up a car that's pumping out fuel, puts a bomb in it, and blows everything up. But there's a bit where Dylan shoots these guys trying to escape in another chopper, yeah. um, guns them to death, and then Arnie comes along and blows up the helicopter. <laughs> just, just for good measure. Just to make sure they stay dead. <laughs> there's grenades going off everywhere, and I'm just, there's part of me that's thinking, but, but what about the hostages that are there to, to rescue? How, how do you know which is the hospital? Because uh, the, the host, hostages, even. Yeah, because he's just, and Arnie's coming out with this one liner stick around, stick around, like, and, and knock, 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 knock. He loves it. He's like, those are, I think those are Arnie's, yeah. Arnie's, you know. Guys, I've had a few thoughts. Editorial control. I've written some new pages. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, the so I mean, it's again, it's uh, that scene's it's a great action scene. I mean, it is pure gun porn expl- explosions. Mm-hmm. It's the nineteen eighties, you know, surprise it, attack. Yeah, no, but it's the like the A team style guys flipping into the air. You, you just see you, soil soil explosions. Soil, guys on trampolines. Yeah, <laughs> you, you're just seeing the cra- the crash match just out of view. Yeah. Guys like somersaulting into the water, but yeah. they're dead. Yeah, they're dead. They're on, some of them are on fire. Some of them are on fire. <laughs> um, there's a lot of gunishment for a rescue team, and I'm actually like going back. I'm surprised that. Arnie knocks out uh, the girl, Anna, because everyone else is just killed without, like, without second thinking. Nah, no women, no kids. Yeah, but no, that's it. He sort of just, like, knocks... He, someone's approaching him. Oh, I better knock them out. Knock oh, yeah, because, of course, you don't, because she's got a hat on. He doesn't yeah. actually know. It's just instinct. It's just instinct. Yeah. Um, but one of, the, one of the lines I picked up on, which I thought was, was genius, after they've, like, destroyed this base... Clear the area. Make sure leave no traces. It's like, you've blown up the whole thing. You've emptied rounds and rounds of, there's like rounds and rounds of American, like, ammunition all over the place. It's like, leave no traces. It's like, okay, Arnie, we're going to have to go and pull bullets out of, like, individual trees. Might need a few days. Make it look like an accident. Um... And, yeah, I think that's, um... But then it sort of, it culminates in, uh... Billy's laugh, Billy, the, the the big, muscly, Native American bloke, and I think it's safe to say it's probably one of the greatest laughs committed on film. Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's so good. You know, why wouldn't an alien from outer space want to copy that? I mean... Yeah. And, and it'd be his, uh, his killer line, but... And I think in terms of how that... The uh, the attack on that base, it, it, the, the mistrust between Arnie and Dutch... Sorry, Arnie and Dylan... In, intensifies you know you can see at each stage it's sort of like Arnie's more suspicious everything he says to him it's yeah. like Dylan I don't trust you I don't, I don't trust you it's all bullshit <laughs> <laughs> we're not expendable <laughs> oh my god I also wanted to point out did you know uh, I only saw this on the credits at the very end but the, the fact I think one of the reasons he's called you know Arnie's character's called Dutch but his first name's Alan uh, Al, isn't it Alan Schaefer it's Alan Sh- it's Alan Dutch Schaefer and just you know oh, like that'd be brilliant if it was if Alan Alan <laughs> you know when they're shouting from Dutch Dutch like Alan Alan <laughs> Alan I love you <laughs> thanks a lot um. but I can't remember seeing what I liked about that scene and uh, you know what's what's coming after that where we're starting to uh, we're, we're just getting ready for our first uh, meeting with uh, with the Predator is I can't remember another film where there is a crack team or, or an elite team of special forces who actually acted and looked like they were yeah and no, I picked up on that as well and um, I think I'll, I'll go into it in detail in a bit but in the special features it's revealed they actually did a week of training with with seals in uh, navy seals or with like marines in the jungle beforehand so they all like marched into the jungle that, and you know i didn't realize that some of them had military backgrounds so jesse ventura used to be a a navy seal um well, arnie arnie was in the australian driving tanks arnie was driving tanks just just to you know to school um and as it uh, the guy who plays Pancho is it Richard Chavez I think he's called he served in Vietnam so a lot of them had military background but they would learn you know you're doing all the hand signals and stuff like that and yeah you do get a feel it's for the limited time they have together as a team you really do sort of 
feel like they work well. They all have their different skills. They all lot. And there's a few partnerships here and yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. So you've got. Um, you know, you've got Billy and Hawkins, you've got uh, Poncho and, you know, I ain't got time to bleed. Yeah. You've got time to duck. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you've got some great banter and it's it's a very limited time to get cram that all in. And I think that's one of the, the sort of the credits to the film. It makes you, you, you establish these characters, but you also, you know, you invest time and you ultimately begin to care when they start being picked off. Yeah, because, I mean, that point about saying... Um... I've never seen such a mean-looking bunch of elite special forces, but they are then all, you know, quite quickly dispatched uh, one by one. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it's it's. I can remember watching that featurette, you know, and they were competing against each other. Oh yeah, there was a massive competition off. Just off imagine screen. what that must have been like getting up at six a.m. There's Arnie with his uh, stoogie, and there's um, you know there's Carl Weathers there. There's who's this guy Ventura? Jesse Ventura. All massive, and they're all like they're all trying to beat each other and doing benching stuff and yeah, running think, like they were running like forty k in, in uh, some on uh, some days. It was something they? like yeah, they would do two hours in the gym, they'd go for a ten mile run, then they would film. And then at the end of the day, they'd go back to the gym for and a couple of hours. And of course, Arnie, Arnie from his weight training days, because you've you've seen the pumping guy, you know, about his little mind tricks, you know, yeah. he about how he said, oh, you know, uh, you know, he'd be pushing them and competing with them. So I, you know, I think he, they, I think they had a great well, time making well, this film. Well, that's it, and I think that's if you know, sometimes it's a detriment to a film. Sometimes you can tell a film they've had too, they've had like more fun off screen than they do on screen but I think this film captures that you know that banter that they've all had together I think it's done for the right reasons yeah. I think in Predator it's done for the right reasons because they're ensuring that they're fit that they look the part and that they can also portray that they're a team that works together yeah. I think when it falls apart is in films like in the Oceans 11 films where they have so much fun together that by the third film it just comes off as this really smug thing and you just wish that you'd been privy to what was going on behind the camera because what's happening or in front you wish that a Predator would turn up and just start picking <laughs> off one by one <laughs> starting with Julia Robert. <laughs> um, so I think the uh, we're now at the point the, where the predator's gonna gonna yeah, so bless us with his presence. I'd say end of Act One finishes yeah, with yeah, the, the, the leave no traces. <laughs> um, so, but one thing I picked up, you've got um, so they've got the the they've got now got uh, Anna, the, Anna the rebellious rebel gorilla. They've got her in tow just to deliver exposition. Yeah, nice nice side boob. You know, some good side boob action. But um, I, at the one point I picked up on, because she's, you know, she starts off, she's trying to escape all the time. And she manages to escape Dylan by throwing leaves in his face. <laughs> and all I thought was, oh, my eyes! <laughs> Not leaves! Dylan, trained CIA operative. Ex-commando. The, <laughs> the one thing I wasn't expecting was damn leaves. This is one weakness. <laughs> leaves. Um, so yeah, so cut to a death scene. So, so she escapes, and then first first death. The, I think the first two deaths come quite quickly together, don't they? You got Hawkins goes, yeah, and then within a couple of minutes, Blaine gets the sort of cannon through the chest, yeah. Um, which leads on to uh, one of my favourite bits: the gunishment scene where they mow down about an acre of ra of rainforest, and you can actually see the branches falling off. They must have used that. Must have been a I think to quote Starship Troopers: "A live fire exercise." But I think there is the occasional someone out of shot pulling down a tree as well. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, that's a real. And I'm sitting, there was part of me thinking, how much ammunition do they actually have? Just imagine, I'm out, I'm out too. Okay. <laughs> Shit. Let's get to the job. That could be a great, you know, um, how it should have ended. <laughs> like they've just spent all their ammunition, the predator just turns up and kills them. <laughs> <laughs> right, you fools. <laughs> Vengeance is mine. But I. Um, I forgot about, I mean, um, yeah, there's some great characters in this, and I love, like, Billy is such a memorable character, and I just love the, it ain't no man out there, and he just goes, we're all gonna die. (laughs) (laughs) He just says it, like, so nonchalantly, and just walks off. Yeah, it's like he knows, because he's, like, he's Mm. got the scent, he's the tracker, isn't he? So he's he's the one whose opinion everybody, everybody everybody respects apart from Arnie. (laughs) There's nothing in the trees, Billy. Billy, stop screwing around. <laughs> um, but interestingly, um, I was reading, I think, in the initial scripts when it was going around, when it was originally titled Hunter, yeah. um, the main character was um, Native American. Uh, and, that, and that was all about, yeah, tracking the beast. And I think that's why it helps with the sort of them going toe-to-toe at the end. And obviously probably Arnie coming on board that evolved they kept on it evolved into the character of Billy um but yeah I think it's it's good that and again it makes the team so interesting it's quite a diverse team um I don't know about you I mean it's it is you know let's address the the greased up elephant in the room it does have moments of homoeroticism there's just one or two there's a couple of homoerotic bits but you know the the thing that I had to ask was Mac and Blaine, are they an item? I wasn't sure about that as well because they weren't just like. I mean, he's obviously in denial, you know, with that comment about slack jawed faggots, but. And he's got that big, uh, you know, is that big chain gun making up for something? Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, Mac really takes a turn once Blaine has been killed. I mean, as I've, I've already done my, my <laughs> Mac rambling impression. Um, but he, yeah, it really, really changes him. It basically turns the guy nuts. Yeah, yeah, he loses, he loses his, uh, he loses his shit. And there's that line where and he goes, you know, he was a good soldier, and he goes, he was my, and there's a bit of a pause, friend. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> Were you, were you going to admit to something there, Mac? Maybe, maybe you know, when, when, when you, they get back from the jungle. When you're in the jungle, it's cold at night, shared bodily warmth, you know, that sort of thing. Um, Which is that, you know, you and me, bro, same, different, same moon, different jungle. We walked in, I'm going to carve my name on his chest. <laughs> <laughs> my, my crazy Mac impression. <laughs> Gotta love Bill Duke. The, Bill, Im- the immortal, the immortal The Bill immortal Duke. Bill Duke, yeah. <laughs> on the special features, which are filmed, like, 15 years later... He hasn't aged a day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I love Bill Duke. He's a great character actor. Um, so yeah, we have the, obviously with that massive gunfire that's going on, uh, they do actually manage to hit uh, the Predator. And then we have this scene which I enjoyed uh, even growing up because it's it's really the first time we get a look at what the Predator looks like where he's self-medicating. And I'm not mm. talking about doing tons of blow. He's actually <laughs> using some pretty advanced alien technology. <laughs> to see him popping painkillers. <laughs> oh, not this again. Um, but yeah, that's quite cool. And then like him screaming and then all like maybe... Here well, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's great that they, they tease, the, tease the monster that you, you don't, they don't reveal him until the last third. And it's, yeah. you know, it's like all good monster films, like, like Jaws, you don't see the shark until the end. And for Jaws, it's because the shark looks shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that tension, that you get that extra tension from not seeing 
the creature up, up close until the very end. And you're not supposed to know what it is. Because it yeah. could be, you, you're trying to work it out because I think they, there's a bit of misdirection. As I, The reason I mentioned seeing the infrared in the helicopter at the beginning, I think there is a bit of that. You know, it's like they show you that, there's inf- that the helicopter has the ability yeah. to use infrared. And then so when you see these scenes of infrared, you're like, oh, yeah. they're being tracked by somebody with some really high-tech hardware. So it's it's not... Well, I mean, maybe it is evident to yeah. somebody like you or me who do a bit of research before going to see the film. But for the going, masses, in, going in cold, yeah, going in completely cold, you just think, well, yeah, they're being hunted by something. Yeah, someone. It's, it's, so this is seeing him self-medicating. Yeah, that's kind of when you get a feel for that. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think the um, we'll we'll go on to it later. But the one of the reasons why you didn't re- didn't get to see the predators is because. The initial design was um, was very different. It's <laughs> safe to say. Um, so it was, yeah, something that looked a bit like a dog with shoulder pads and stilts, and they all just agreed it looked terrible and scrapped it. And they actually, but the actors needed something to look at. They, so yeah. rather than having uh, what, what we were talking about, it was uh, in Starship Troopers. Rather than having the director play the part of the of the animals or the the, the monsters that were going to be superimposed, you had but, Paul Verhoeven screaming at them <laughs> from a hill. Yeah, I've got this from uh, from IMDb. Um, an attempt was made to get shots of the predator swinging from tree to tree using a monkey in a special red effects uh, a red special effects suit. A monkey. A monkey. However, the monkey kept removing the suit, and the idea was quickly abandoned. <laughs> uh, so there you go. Imagine being a fly in the water. Uh, uh, he's he's taken off the suit again, sir. We're, we're going to have to come up with I would just love it if Arnie was on the sidelines. Stupid monkey! Stop taking it off! <laughs> John, the monkey's not working! <laughs> We need a new plan. So well, you've seen two people down, um, and this is where it start. We're starting to get because this is you know we're talking about what's Act One, what's Act Two, uh, who, what's Act Three. Who cares? But we're starting to get into the. It's almost like there's a road. There's a bit of tension. There's feel like you're on this roller coaster before we get into the duel at the end. There is this. A lot of deaths actually happen quite quickly. Yeah, I know so because it builds up the tension. You've got Hawkins and Blaine taken out very quickly, and then it's the the whole realization: shit, we're being hunted by something. Because technically, that's actually when they it's when they decide to leg it because yeah. there's this plan: uh, get to the jobber. You yeah, know, they're, they're, they're actually they, they decide we can't take this thing out. Let's get the hell out of here. Yeah, but no, but then they decide to um, to, to to set the trap. But um, you what? Well, yeah, all the section. I call, let's work out into jungle. Um, because, as you notice, Arnie loses, progressively loses more clothes throughout this film. And the bit where they're setting the jungle trap, they're, they're getting all sweaty, they're pulling down trees. He's, he's really getting it. I talk about this at the duel at the end. He's really getting, he's channeling the inner Conan. Yeah, but it, it, I think, yes, yeah, uh, in the most homoerotic point in the whole film, outside of the air shake, is, yeah, Dylan's taking his top off, Arnie's got his top off. And they're uh, both pulling some... They're pulling down a tree using vines. Yeah. They're, they're, you know, the boys are getting sweaty. Tina's, it's not gay. It's not gay. <laughs> um, but, but this also, I took a step back and thought, hang on, if this, the predator's supposed to be invisible, he's, he's always watching them, he's hanging from the far, 
Uh, but yet he gets caught in this trap. Surely, well, has he not seen them like spent like the whole day fashioning this trap and go, right, I'm not going to step in that bit there. Okay, so what, what is well, that? Maybe, well, maybe that's why he steps in it. Because yeah. he's like, well, they've gone to all this trouble. Uh, I, said, but, I mean, I'm going to kill them anyway. I'm going to so. escape anyway with my arm cannon. So, or maybe he was self-medicating. Maybe he was having a nap. Yeah. You know, eat. that is a good little shock, though. I do like that. How you know it's like you need bait. So Arnie goes out. Is, you've is got Arnie going to set it off? You've got that iconic scene. <laughs> it's like you mean the, the cover of the the the, com- the Commodore sixty four game. Yes, yeah. um, you've got you've got him walking out, and then it's 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 behind him. You know, classic yeah. monster esque. You know, the fact that. He's looking ahead of him, and then it all and it's it's really good effects. You know the fact that all the leaves yeah. are falling, yeah, I and, that as well. and they, you can see that they're having trouble seeing what's going on. We're having trouble seeing yeah. what's going on, and there's actually nothing happening apart from leaves, leaves it's flying just, around. It's a and, bag of and leaves and some really good sound effects. Some lots of alien screaming. Yeah, and lots of like whip noises. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that quickly sets off a very quick chain of death. I, I, yeah. I thought so like there's all that tension of them setting the trap walking out in the jungle um, but then you've got so you've got Dylan and Mac uh, go off and Mac's getting crazier and crazier he's doing and then there's one point that he grabs Dylan's arm and Dylan just gives him this look like mate what are you doing I'm he's, not playing yeah exactly it's all like mate I'm not into that um, so yeah Dylan's a little bit cautious of uh, he just won't get too close to Mac and you've got Arnie because I mean as we made, as I was watching this film there's just like we've watched this film so many times over the years there's just whenever he comes out with a I don't know an Arnie quote or an Arnie isn't it just Mac Mac <laughs> I think there's um there's a video on YouTube of all of his one-liners in 10 minutes <laughs> and Escalator goes, Mac, 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 Mac! <laughs> um, so, oh, I remember that. We'll have to get it on the blog. Yeah, we'll, we'll put a link to, to the blog on that. Um, but this scene with the, you're talking about with, um, with Dylan and uh, Mac, what I think is funny about this is the fact that, um, well, the first thing to talk about is I was talking about the relationship between Dylan and Dutch. Yeah. Dylan and Dutch. Um, it's how they go through this arc and the... the He's the, trying to redeem himself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like the part, They're like parting words. And in a very you know, economic use of script, Dylan admits his guilt in the whole operations you know, failure and kind of says to them, look, you go ahead to the chopper. I'm going to go, I'll go after Mac to try and make up. And what I like is Arnie's acknowledgement of his apologies just to throw him a gun. Yeah. <laughs> Here's another. Here. Yeah, make it count. Make, make it count sort of thing. But um, going on to this next scene where they, they have this, uh, they have this plan to sneak up on the Predator. <laughs> it's like, they yeah. don't realise that the predator's sitting there in a tree going, okay, okay, you're coming round here. Well, I've, I'm, yeah, I noticed earlier on that, like, Dylan seems to be the worst soldier ever. So we've already established <laughs> he doesn't like leaves. But there's another bit where he lets Anna escape because he just slips over. Like, he just trips over himself. It's like, And there's a time where... I think it's sort of like, where's the girl? And he's like, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> Three times now. Yeah, it's just sort of like, oh, I forgot about that again. And so it's sort of like, yeah, I'm going to, I've got a score to settle. Yeah. Um, yeah. Trying to embarrass me as a, as a CIA? <laughs> I'll show you. 
Um, but yeah, I say yeah, it wasn't until I watched the, the young cut edition that you know the whole bit with uh, his, his arm chopped off, the gun still firing with his chopped off arm. Yeah, I think I've only seen that twice because I've watched this film so many. You know, it's one of those yeah. films we've watched so many times that I think I haven't watched it start to finish for. I think I've only watched it start to finish probably twice because I've seen so many snippets of yeah, it, on. VHSs of it and what have you. And so the version I always watched never had that in. So I was a little bit shocked to see that. I was like, oh yeah, of course, yeah. this is the uncut version. Yeah, and you get to see Max, uh, you know, the, the, the dots appear on his arm, then on his head, and then his head just explodes like a melon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the one bit I um, it gets to me every time is, you know, the big standoff with... With Billy, it's all, maybe like that's from the original script where he makes the last stand on the bridge. He takes off all his kit, he gets, gets a machete naked, out, gets naked, gets naked, cuts himself, cut myself, <laughs> um, and then you never see it. That was re- I thought that as well. I was like, it's it's a real letdown because maybe they thought, well, it's, it's respect, it's slate or suspense. Or was, or was it taking it away from Arnie potentially? Yeah, the, the big you know to see a big one on one fact, or is it the fact that? Billy with all his, you know, guts and, you know... His knowledge and his awareness of the Predator. He is useless. He's taken out really quickly. But um, have you seen Predators? Predators. With Big Nose Brody. Yeah. Shut up, Big Nose. (laughs) Don't call me Big Nose. Um, Um, Because that, again, is uh, one of those sort of reboot slash remake. It is effectively, it touches a lot of points of, of Predator, and the one thing that Predators, uh, plural, uh, does right, it, it homages that. It's the Japanese guy faces off against Predator with that's a samurai a really good scene. And, and you actually get to see that fight play out. And that's the one of the things that they get right. Yeah, there's a lot to like yeah. in that film. I bought that. I was traveling. Uh, well, I was, I was somewhere for, foreign. Uh, <laughs> I was in foreign. I was bored. Uh, and I bought that on iTunes for, um, for a snip of a price, as <laughs> Apple is always kind enough to offer us. Uh, so I have that, I have that forever mm. on, all, on all my devices. So, yeah, I mean, I've watched it a few times. And, yeah, I, I love going back to it. And really impressed with Big Nose Brody's performance. And uh, it, Yeah, it, it's a, it's, it's, I think it's a bold choice to cast Adrian Brody. I'm not sure... There's, some, there's just some parts of that. I don't know if it's... There's just something that doesn't work about it as a it's, whole. It's the end. It's yeah. The, the end, it goes a bit formulaic, and it's, oh, it the twist, bit, the twist is that guy from the 70s show is actually really evil. And uh, the fact that Big Nose Brody teams up with the Predators a little bit. It's not AVP levels of, of cringeworthy, but... It's, it's not far off. Yeah. So... We're almost really well, kind get, of in that. We, we, he says the immortal words of get to the chopper. We're down to just Arnie and the girl. Mano e mano. The duel commence. So, yeah, you've got the, um, well, the, the whole bit of him doing the big fall into the water. The point I like to make about that is that it's it follows a very good pattern that everyone's being picked off. And you think, oh my God, Arnie's going to die. <laughs> Sorry, I've just gone a bit partridge there. Um, but he gets away and it's kind of, it's a fluke. But he's also running away. Yes, he's, he's running away. So you see, that's the point I was trying to make. So we get to see, in this film, we get to see Arnie being tired. Yeah. Arnie running around, uh, running away. And as we'll later talk in, in the duel, getting his ass kicked. Yeah. You know, so these are, that's what I was saying. There's a few aspects of Arnie that you see in this film that you don't you don't get to see. Mm. But, but what an ending to a film. Yes, I know it shows his influence on the making of this film and the focus of how much of a star he was. But 
it's the thing that I look forward to whenever it's like whatever happens it's like you know that there's going to be this 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 great act three coming yeah and I think that yes it is a key strength of film that after all the sort of bombast the gung-ho the the macho bullshit the weapon yeah it boils down to wits and you know using the resources setting traps you know making skills yeah skills life skills <laughs> um but and, and i remember you know you you mentioned earlier that um dad has been quite derogatory of arnie's films but i remember him saying that actually out of all of arnie's films he really liked Predator because of that whole twist of he has to rely on his wits and build weapons and traps. Because what does he have? He just has the two grenades from his from and, his and, under and, his under rail grenade launcher on his very small machine gun. Yeah, he's got two of those and grenades his, and his big knife. And that, so that's what he's got. Yeah. And uh, and he's got mud. <laughs> and he's got mud and his and his nails. But you've got the the laying of traps. You've got the more traps, more more traps, because that's what I've got here. He's got a lot of tricks, um, channeling his Conan, making bows and stuff. But then there's the um, which is obviously hey, it worked in Commando, the suiting up. Yeah, because he hasn't got anything to put on, yeah. but he still suits put, up. Putting on the mud. Yeah, he nature's out, and it's all yeah. like dum dum yeah. dum 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 dum. Uh, and then the the last thing, but as the you know he, he does the great war cry. What a cry! Lays lays down the gauntlet literally, and then hides on a tree. And then you're like, of all the trees, trees you could have picked. <laughs> but it, again, it's at that great great moments of tension of like he's behind you, you know. Um, and yeah, that's it's 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 great that there is that sort of equal footing that for a while they're both invisible and they're both sort of he can see him and they're almost like the tables have turned until foolishly he jumps into the water and all the mud washes. I'm not sure he, he gets knocked into or it's an explosion. You know, because I was thinking dodging, that as well. He's dodging the gun. He's dodging stuff. So yeah, I mean, I think uh, Arnie obviously had some. It's like don't make me look stupid. Yeah, but there's. Um, there's the bit I picked up on uh, when you're saying, you know, he's, he's getting his, his ass handed to him. And that, uh, that's it, uh, yeah. <laughs> I've just put lots of Arnie noises. Yeah. No, oh, no, no, but there's no. also the funny where it's when he's, Arnie's getting his ass kicked and he's being chased in Predator Vision, it goes all high pitched. Yeah, yeah, like, it sounds like a little. <laughs> <laughs> I remember us laughing at that when we were younger. It sounds like a little, it goes down to like a little yeah. child. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, yeah, effectively. He he can't beat the predator like he's he's outmatched and it's only by the luck of it's a fluke really. uh, yeah fluke that he's underneath the the counterweight oh. you know come on radio yeah um, that he takes him out but um, the the last point I've got in my notes is uh, you know for the predator where he's he's been beaten he's been outsmarted if you're gonna go down if you're gonna set off your own wrist mounted nuclear bomb. You're gonna go out with a maniacal laugh. You've got to make sure it's Billy's. It's yeah, a, exactly. It's, it's a great <laughs> in your face. <laughs> but I love the way how it's done that because I was thinking, does the alien, you know, to get to not analyze it too much, but does the alien know what laughter is? Is that why he's recording? Well, that's it. Is is he playing back the recording because he thinks it's? Is he does he actually want to laugh? Well, that's, uh, I think they they do hint that and they they explore it in in the later films that they are. Whilst they're hunting, they're also learning. Yeah. So they're they're, they're learning to communicate. So yeah, because he says, 
because you could interpret when he says, what the hell are you? And he goes back to him, what the hell are you? Yeah. Is that a sort of like, well, who, 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 think, who the hell do you think you are, mate? I thought that was that was good because yeah. it was like, yeah, talking back. But I think it is all part of the laying the trap. Yeah. I think that's why they do it. I don't, I'm not sure. I, I know it's probably been talked about, but for me, it's not a device to... Uh, to learn how to, it's just to mimic us, to yeah. trap us, yeah. to for the kill. Yeah, but so yeah, but I, I say they, they touch on it in in the later instalments. Obviously, uh, Predator Two builds a lot more of the the Predator mythology. But yeah, the, the part of me just thinks like, <laughs> how dark would it be? Like, what if? Like <laughs> the predator blew up Arnie with the blast, and that's just how it ended. So I'm, like, ah, I'm taking us both. <laughs> the end. The end. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's the thing. Like, is he going to get away? And, and just yeah, the, like the helicopter circling with with Anna. They blew him up. <laughs> or Arnie, Arnie just getting blown. Like you see him like hit the helicopter yeah. or something. But in that scene in the helicopter, he's that's what I was saying about Arnie seeing Arnie in different shades. He's knackered. Yeah, you know, he's asleep. Well, know? that's it's quite a. I was thinking that it's quite a bizarre last shot. It's just because for a moment I was thinking, do you actually see him move? And then you see his eyes move. That yeah, he is just he's 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 absolutely knackered. But it's a it's a bit of an, a bizarre shot to end on. They could have just ended on him standing triumphantly against the tree whilst the chopper lands and then yeah. that, that could be it. But That's a great scene. I don't know how they filmed that because, I mean, you've seen, because it's a wide shot. Um, apparently it was, they found a, a bit of rainforest that had been uh, part of a forest fire oh. uh, and, yeah, they so they, they location scouted. So, it's, yeah, some, and I think that's something we haven't really touched on is the jungle is shot really well in this film. Like, yeah. for me, growing up, uh, you know, Obviously, you know, we we grew up in a, a little village in the countryside. You, you know, never got you know for for years that was our reference of what a a South American jungle or a tropical jungle looked like. And it really, it's almost like a, a, another character in the film. You really feel immersed and yeah, it's the mist and the, and the, the humidity. Uh, yeah, and and, 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 it, and it adds to. And I think that's where the other films kind of do, or the the sequel doesn't work because. As you said, that you know they're they're running away. They're trying to get extracted. They're trying to get the chopper because they're in this big open expanse, but they're they're sort of trapped in the jungle. Whereas, and they've they've got no choice but to face the monster. Whereas in Predator Two, it's in a city. I've forgotten what's the why is the predator killing? What's the motive? Because well, no, the the backstory that the exposition that Anna gives in Predator One is the the beast always comes. When, when it's, it's hot. hot. I get that. Uh, yeah. And you understand why it goes to the jungle because it likes to yeah. and the, hunt. And the, the setup, I haven't seen Predator 2 for a while, but the setup is that Los Angeles in the future of 1997 is going through a massive heat wave and it's turf war. So that, I think that's what brings the Predator to, to Los Angeles. So it's like so war hot. and heat. Yeah. And military. It's meant to be the best because that's what it wants to challenge. It wants to challenge. But yeah, the whole thing is that Predator 2 set in a city and it's only because Danny Glover is a maverick renegade cop and he's too over the shit and he, he throws the rule book back at you and only he can stop the beast whereas you know if it got too much for him he could just jump on a bus or jump on a plane but no actually you, you can sort it out see you later whereas in Predator yeah, on his team, they don't have a choice, they and they're are, trying to escape. They're trying to escape. And they're trying no, to run away. No lifeline. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think it does 
play a big part. The, the jungle setting is is unique to that that adds to the tension. Well, I mean, until you're talking about the the jungle, it might be a good time because I watched this. Uh, I purchased the most recent 3D version uh, right. because, being the cinephile that I am, I've um, made the investment in a 3D projector. Mm-hmm. And uh, no, nobody wants to show. <laughs> and uh, wanted to watch it and see what it was like. And the the version itself, it does ask the question of. Um, why aren't more films done in 3D? There's some reasons why. It's obvious. Some don't work out well. But Because it's interesting that this is a, a 3D conversion of a film that was never 3D. Exactly. Which is a rarity. Yeah, yeah. So, the you know, before I purchased this, obviously I was on, I was looking online on Amazon and the like of where the best place to buy. And there was lots of reviews. There's lots of critical reviews. Lots of purists slating you know this version, and it's the same version that's on the yeah. Predator One and Two box set. The you you know probably the background on this. Well, I've I've got the, digi- the digitally remastered. Version. Yeah, I bought. Uh, it was one of the first Blu-rays I bought uh, of uh, is is Predator Special Edition, and apparently for the Blu-ray they you know they do the sort of the the up yeah whether it's upscaling, uh, upscaling yeah. and apparently they've upscaled it too much it's it's a bit too much of a polish so it looks a bit artificial well i d- uh, personally i didn't have a problem with it because maybe this is where negative reviews can help going into yeah. the film so i read all of these reviews about how the 3d uh, blu-ray was terrible mm. so and within the first few minutes of watching it as i said you, dylan uh, carl weathers looks a bit action man a little bit plasticky. Um, but that was the only thing I had an issue with. What stood out to me is how the stereoscopy, um, the 3D effect, is the opposite of what happens in the cinema. So in the cinema, you sit there, you've got your 3D glasses on, the screen's way back, and stuff's jumping out. Yeah, you just get, at some point, a spear or something sticking yeah. out. Yeah, whereas with this, and I don't know if it's what you say because they went back and made a film that wasn't mm. 3D, 3D, but for this, it's all about depth. Yeah. So everything's in front of you, but like on my wall, that where I was watching the projector, and I, I put a picture, you can't really see in the picture though, because obviously it's a still, um, but there's depth. So it looks like this. you've got the main characters in the foreground, and then it looks like I'm looking into the... So it's behind. Well, so it's, it's going away from me, whereas in the cinema, the 3D's coming out at you. So it's, it's the opposite. Well, that's not what good 3D should be. And, it, you know, it should be if you, you know, if you look at... And one of the reasons why Avatar is still, you know, the best example of... I haven't seen Avatar on home 3D, but... In terms of cinema 3D, because you've got that that element of depth, it is like looking through a window. Whereas I think it if that's the the worst side of 3D is that gimmicky. Oh, let's something come out of the screen. Yeah, and it, but it it looks really really good. So in terms of is it worth doing it or did they go too far? I think they make it look more modern. So it's it's like it is it's a digitally remastered version. Um, of this film so I mean as further down I could put a lull next to the note I made because at one point I'd obviously had you know a couple of glasses of wine and yeah, you're relaxing and I'm like the 3D is awesome <laughs> <laughs> but to be honest I did have one major hang up which was about and I, I suppose it's not even really the 3D it's the digitally the remastering of the cloaking of the Predator it's obvious they've done work and it's not that much better, but it's not what was on the original. It's, no, no, I rem- it's yeah. not what I remember because it was smooth and outlined. And, you know, that, yeah. that geek comment that you mentioned about. Well, yeah, not one, seeing- one, of the, one of the goofs is that is like, 
you cannot see the Predator's dreadlocks when it's in invisibility mode. Yeah, yeah. So they've they've sorted that out, and um, they've done they've done some really good treatments. So for me, when it's a film like this that I love and I will rewatch till the end of time, why wouldn't you want a three D version of one of your most favorite films? I can't understand the backlash. Yes, there'll always be the classic, and like you, I've got it on DVD, yeah. <laughs> I've got, got it on, on Blu-ray, Blu-ray and now digital copy, and now I've got the three D. So why? What's the problem? I mean, what's the big fucking deal? Yeah, exactly. Chill, chill, chill out. Or CTFO. Well, you, you've talked about um, the the. Predator 3D and um, one of my f- fondest memories of buying the special edition all those years ago on DVD is the extras. The, the, it's actually got some great behind the scenes stuff and they they do a, a retrospective. You've got, um, they, they go by, it's like a 15 year reunion. So they've got uh, Carl Weathers, they've got Bill Duke, um, they've got Shane Black. Um, unfortunately, they haven't got Arnie, but they've actually got, surprisingly, they've got a lot of uh, behind-the-scenes stuff that's filmed, you know, as they're filming it. So, yeah, the, the stuff, as you said, you know, there's all the sort of the banter, the, like, Arnie plays this trick on Jesse Ventura about, like, who's got the bigger muscles. You know, my, my good friend, the actor Carl Weathers, um, <laughs> t- talking about all the training and Arnie getting him addicted to uh, to cigars or his stogies. Um, but, yeah, I don't want to spoil it too much, but it's it's a really entertaining sort of... Uh, look back and it shows that yeah they had a lot of fun there's some interesting sort of tidbits I say it it shows you some behind the scenes of what the original Predator design looked like (laughs) and it looked awful Um, and this actually leads me to um, casting woulda coulda shoulda because apparently none other than uh, JCVD, Jean-Claude Van Damme, was lined up to play the Predator in the original suit because they wanted somebody that was a martial artist, someone that can move quickly. Somebody was limber. Somebody was limber. Who could do the splits. Uh, um, and, yeah, then uh, there's conflicting stories. Apparently Van Damme was, was uh, a concern that no one was going to see his face. So some people said that they realised that by having the Predator shorter than Arnie wasn't going to be an imposing threat. And I think it just, the whole thing was scrapped when they saw how terrible the original design was. <laughs> um, but they then got in uh, Stan the Man Winston. Uh, Stan Winston is one of the uh, most legendary um, monster special effects guys. So he created the Terminator. He did the Alien Queen. He did the practical Jurassic Park dinosaurs, so all the animatronic stuff. Um, so, yeah, he's he's a real sort of legend, and it was actually Arnie that recommended that they use him. Uh, so, yeah, I think that sort of adds the whole look of the Predator. It just looks really fucking cool. And the weaponry and all how that moves, that's probably thanks to him. Yeah, the, 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 and that sort of... I think that's a big part of why it still has this legacy, that it's still a franchise There's still churning them out because you know he's got the spear he's got the the rocket launcher on his shoulder he's got the laser three dots he's got the, well i mean yeah, a the, lot of tech the, the part of me that i i say you know predator 2 is is not as it doesn't hold up to the original but there's still a lot to like i mean it, it does a bold move of changing the setting it's got bill paxton in it so it's got it, gary Busey being it's, gary Busey. It's, it's, it's got a great supporting cast and it does flush out the Predator mythology. You get to see multiple Predators. You get to see the ship. You get 
the the tease obviously you've got the big tease that unfortunately led on to the alien versus predator films you have a it shows an alien skull on the wall um but you get the fact that they they've been hunting for centuries and yeah. that's a really interesting created intrigue yeah before we even knew what avp was going to look like yeah it was well, like oh did you see the alien alien skull on the ship wasn't that well, cool yeah before shared universes and um yeah it's it's, it's a real shame that they haven't it were in at least the theatrical features they haven't really touched on that a, a while ago i remember reading when Robert Rodriguez was uh, producing Predators, he wrote a script a, uh, a while before that that got picked up by Fox that opened with the Predators attacking a, a Spanish galleon, you know, like a, a Spanish Armada ship. And I think one of the reasons why it was just cut was just the budget. But imagine how cool that would be to see yeah. Predators in ye olden times. And there's actually there's a few uh, fan films online that are worth checking out on, and I'll... I'll put some links in the blog, but there's one really uh, high um, production values for a fan film called Predator Dark Ages, where it's all about um, the guys from the knights of the the realm, you know, um, from the Crusades, hunting the Predator in the woods of England. Yeah, I watched that. You sent me that. Oh, did you watch I, it? I, I watched it, and also, I've been, it's, it's, it, I've been thinking about it. You know, it, it, it stayed with me. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's really well done, considering, yeah, it's, it's a, a, a fan film, considering the budget, and there's some nice little lines that are homage and references. The Predator looks amazing in it. Yeah, and... Uh, I mean, somebody's obviously spent a fortune on buying all of the replica stuff. They, they've obviously picked up somebody at Comic-Con. Hey, do you want to be in a film? <laughs> um, but there's also, yeah, the other one that you reminded me of, which I'd completely forgotten, which is um, one of our favourite fan films, which is uh, Batman Dead End. I think it's probably one of the best uh, fan films out there. Yeah, which, uh, again, we'll put the link up, but it's really a, a great watch, which is a Batman short film. And all I'm going to say is, yeah, the Predator might pop up in it. I don't want to spoil it too much, but yeah. it's it's an it, Batman Dead Ends only about eight minutes long. Um, whereas you need a bit more time for Predator Dark Age or something. It's like half an hour. It's, hard, it's 20, 27 yeah. minutes, if I remember. Right. Um, I haven't watched it in two sittings. But, but it's, um, yeah, right. there's there's obviously there's I don't know. It's a legacy. You know? There's a legacy, and there's so much more out there. I, I've never read any of the comics. Uh, I haven't played any of the games. Um, I can't remember what the hell happened in that Commodore 64 game. <laughs> <laughs> I played a, uh, like a mobile game when Predators came out, but it was, yeah, it was kind of basic. Um, and yeah, I think we've decided a while ago that we're not going to reference uh, Alien vs. Predator because the less said about those films, the better, really. Yeah, we're, we're on the side of Arnie, who really has a problem with those films, as you should do. As you should do. As most people do. Yeah. So yeah, I think uh, I think we've pretty much sort of covered covered ourselves in mud. Yeah, I mean, I have to say, George, it was so so enjoyable to go back and and to watch this. Go film. back to the jungle, to the jungle. I mean, I, I there is I, we we normally try and structure our uh, our podcasts on uh, what works and what doesn't, but they've been de- demoted to the bottom of this review because I've put what works. Everything, what what doesn't, nothing. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, apart if, from the Predator in the new 3D version, I don't have any hang-ups so with this film still to this day. There's yeah, nothing, if, if, if you want to split hairs, you can it's say... Macho, it's macho, it's 80s, over, it's, it's over, sexist, it's misogynistic. Yeah, it's, it's, it's overly macho. There isn't, you know, the female role is purely exposition. Um, but, yeah, on the whole, I mean, the effects 
hold up pretty well. Or have been touched up. Or, or have been touched up. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a good solid romp. And as I say, you know, it, it holds up to, I think there's a lot of films that from that era that we grew up with that have dated value and they don't hold up as, as much as fondly as you remember, you know, Highlander being one example. But I think this does, it still does hold up and it is generally a strong film. And as you were saying earlier, initially it was received, it got quite poor reviews, but as time has progressed, it's... Top 10 action film of all time, apparently. Yeah, so... Yeah, I think in terms of recent news, talk of the of a, of a, so, of a sequel to the 1987 version. Yeah, so none other than uh, Shane Black is, is back with Predator. So he is writing and directing a new Predator, um, apparently linked to, to this one. And it's... It's set in suburbia, apparently, which is an interesting setting because that the last time the franchise went near that was the second AVP, which is just just awful. Um, but it's got a fairly interesting cast. There is rumours that uh, the the Austrian oak Arnie himself will return because he does seem to be very busy these days. But yeah, in in Shane Black, I trust. I mean, I think he's a He's a cracking writer. He's got form as a director. If you look much at, more experienced now, and he knows the source material. Well, yeah, well. that's it. He's he he's been immersed in it from from day one. But he, yeah, if anyone can do it, I think he's the best person for it. So that was Predator nineteen eighty seven. Now, George, do we have any idea what? Before we go into our diversions, do we have any idea what we're going to be covering next time? Uh, got to feel anything in particular? Uh, I think. We where do we go? Where, where do you go from Arnie and Predator? I think we need a bit of a palate cleanser. So I think we're gonna. Uh, I don't think we maybe could, less action. Maybe less action. Definitely less Arnie. I think um, um, maybe something funny. I don't know. No, we'll uh, let's let's get back to you on that one. But you know, we're happy to receive. Um, so, yeah, questions, well, suggestions. I don't know. Actually, what about um, what are your feelings on Point Break? That would be really cool. Yeah, as Keanu is is back in the limelight with John Wick Chapter Two. Yeah, let's let's do uh, Johnny Utah. What a film! Yeah, oh, let's yeah. do that. Okay, Point Break. Looking forward to it. So, uh, what are you reading? Streaming? You read anything good recently? What do you mean? Um, so, I read uh, recently. I read Steve Martin's autobiography, uh, Born Standing Up, and it is all. It's it. It's basically all about his career just before he gets into films. All right. And it's really interesting. It really gives you an insight to where he got his um, his craft from, how how his stand-up evolved. He actually started off as a magician at Disneyland. Really? Yeah. Wow. Selling uh, magician kits in, in the shop. And then he sort of turned into, merged from from magic into sort of music and it's sort of like he did like he plays the banjo and he that's did, what I've seen in yeah. his early stuff where he's doing that he turns up with the banjo yeah. and, he's, and it's just all improv laugh a minute well, that's, and it's it interesting because he said that at the time when he was growing up people were just like were referencing there was almost like stand up joke books and so people were people weren't creating their own nobody created original material it was almost just like have you heard the one about the guy who does the yeah it was like yeah. recycling jokes and he saw a few things, and I think it was more sort of experiential theatre that pushed boundaries. So, like, I, I really, it makes me want to go back and actually dig out, because I don't think I've actually seen any of his stand-up stuff. I've just mainly seen his films, because um, this is even before Saturday Night Live. But 
uh, part of his routine, he got the whole like audience to come out with him and you'd get them like he was taking them down the street. And I think at one point he got like took them into a restaurant or got them onto a bus. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's really interesting to see that how he's evolving his act and he's the how he's deciding what he wants to do. But he actually it's quite melancholy as well, because he says, you know, being on the road, touring, it's quite depressing. He's quite lonely. The, the fact that you've got the whole adrenaline of the show, but then you've got the come down afterwards. Yeah. And kind of prepare and get psyched up for the next one. Yeah. Well. And I think that he, um, I think that's why he moved more into acting was because that there was that element of control and more, it was the, the pace as well that he just said, yeah, to do stand up was just, was just ruining him, was crushing him. So it's, uh, as you imagine, you know, there's some great one-liners. He's a very, he's a, he's a great writer. I mean, he's, he's written a lot of films. One of our favourites being uh, Bowfinger. That's a great film. Um, but yeah, definitely, def- and it's quite a short book as well. So, I, and I think at the moment on Amazon, it's two pounds. So check it out. Cool. Well, yeah, we'll put a link to that on our blog. For me, what I've been reading recently, getting what, Reading a, uh, I think it's called Time and Again. Uh, it's one of a very, an older time travel book set in the seventies. I like time travel. Yeah, I, I I don't know. It's 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 strange in that there's no complicated time time oh. machine. It's basically this idea that um, the connection, the, the ability to travel back in time for some it, reason, for some reason, is just from being able to look at where you are. And it and for what you see to be exactly the same as it was back in like say a certain time. So this guy's in New York, and there's that old building on the edge of uh, Central Park. And if he goes into that building and he looks out, and there's snow on the ground, and there's no traffic, and he's and he believes that he's there. So if he lives in the apartment and he wears the clothes and he eats the food of the 1880s, if he's if he's actually consciously believes that that, that he's there, that he's actually taken back. All right, uh, and it's a government-run project, and they do it. They test it, so it's 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 different. It's um, that sounds but, interesting. Yeah, it's called Time and Again by I think it's Jack Finney. Um, in terms of you streaming, we watched something good recently on video on demand. We keep calling it streaming, but for our international listeners, well, VOD, VOD. Well, believe it or not, uh, I have uh, just finished series one of Breaking Bad. I am so excited. <laughs> what, what are your thoughts, George? It's only been like about only, five I'm years. I'm only about six years behind everyone else. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. And nice, Nicely paced. Nicely paced. Some... Some interesting uh, sort of direction to see how, obviously, the characters, quick, uh, Walter White's characters, quickly evolving and um, assured that it changes even more and it diversifies. So, yeah, I'm, the thing is with me, with how I do anything in terms of films, books, uh, series, I'm, whilst I'm happy to binge a series itself, I don't want to binge like series back to back. So I'm going to... Yeah, split. take a break. I'm taking a break. So I'm watching uh, Black Mirror at the moment. I'm catching up on that. Where are you up to in that? I think I've watched all of... Is it three seasons of Black Mirror? Yeah, so they've just uh, recently launched the third series on Netflix. So I was just caught up because I was halfway through season two. So I've watched season two up to the Christmas special because I don't fancy watching Christmas special when it's not Christmas. Yeah. Even though um, my man crush, John Hamm, is in it. Yeah. Um, Such a dreamboat. Such a dreamboat. But I've downloaded uh, episode one of season three, which has... Or series three, if we're being British... Uh, which we are. Um, so, yeah, I, I need to watch that because so many people have said, 
oh, it's creepy, but it's brilliant. There are so many mixed feelings about watching that. I remember watching the first, I think I consumed most of the first season um, on a car journey somewhere. I watched like two or three episodes. It's unsettling. It's really unsettling. It's really uncomfortable, but it's so thought-provoking. And I think it's a really important message to show that the problem... Our fears about technology—it—it it, it shouldn't actually be in the technology. It's how we would abuse, we as a society would would abuse them. Yeah. Or corporations. Corporation. Being a corporation. So yeah, Black Mirror is great. I'm mostly watching um, the Man in the High Castle um, series. Series two. Yeah, series right. two. I've yet to watch that, but um, I really enjoyed the first series. It's be- it's better than you might expect. They've done, I'd say, you know, without spoiling anything, because uh, I'm not going to spoil something like that, because it's not as old as the films we cover. But it's great, because at the end of the first season, you might think, and I wouldn't want to spoil that either, you might be thinking, where do they go from there? But they've done a very good job of um, developing both the characters, the plot line, and intru- introducing new concepts. And it is very very interesting and I do believe that even though the first series got some criticism from purists of who read the books of uh, Philip K. Dick it was a great first season in my opinion and this is a great second season and I think it will go on to to continue to be good so I'm enjoying that and just last night I watched the first um, this will show some great um, marketing, I can't remember the title um, but the first episode and it's a new Netflix if I tell you it's a new Netflix series featuring Bob Odenkirk about a guy who writes greeting cards, uh, but it descends into murder and oh, suspense right. and well, everything. Not, not and it's kind that. of like um, a whodunit sort of, uh, some some guy comes up with a, there's a new thing, someone creates a new holiday called Girlfriend Day. And of course there's a, there's a prize and it's, it's, it's black comedy, it's, but it's, um, it's good. I like I like uh, Bob Odenkirk from uh, Better Call Saul. From 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 Breaking Bad, and then obviously later in, in Better Call Saul, I like him in those sort in those sort of roles. So yeah, and in terms of playing, um, not much. Oh, I down. I got the new uh, Ubisoft game uh, For Honor, which is a, a hack and slash. Uh, set in medieval times as like Vikings, knights, and whatever, but it's a massive multiplayer online where um, you know you you can have duels. It's with old weapons. Challenge you to a duel, and um, it's good, but um, it suffers from the same problem that that's that seems to be happening always with Ubisoft games is that it's repetitive and the plot is cretinous. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what goes on. I mean, there's some... Well, it's because they're churning them out so much. And there's, there's, like, scandals about what goes on in those offices at Ubisoft. Apparently, the CEO got in trouble for videoing the developers and stuff, like, mm-hmm. secretly. So, yeah, I mean, there's... They are... They're really... You can tell they're really... And I don't mind saying this. They're really up themselves. They do, they, they do some beautifully designed games, like the Assassin's Creed, the Division, and I get hooked every time. I buy these games, I play them, they look great, uh, but there's absolutely no substance to them. But, you know, I'm a grown man and they are designed for uh, children. So <laughs> Grown people in their 20s. Yeah, so I shouldn't, I shouldn't really complain. But, um, yeah, really, so that's, that's, that's all we've got time for, I'm afraid, because uh, we've got to go out. We're going out tonight, aren't we? Yeah, we are actually going to another podcast. We are going to a live recording of the aforementioned Empire podcast. So maybe we'll give you a little bit of extra tidbits. Maybe they'll ask us a question and we'll be caught on a podcast forever. But who knows? But um, We'll we'll see how how the professionals do it. And uh, we can also say, and, and don't forget to check out 
the article on Predator uh, on the blog, retroramble.blog. And there'll be other reviews of games that Charlie's been playing and uh, all the links that we talked about in terms of the fan films. The parodies. The parodies. Uh, and a lot of funny stuff. On yeah. So, yeah, check it out. Retroramble.blog. Cheers now. Bye-bye. Using the trees, watching and waiting, killing us off one by one. The chopper is close, but this thing is too fast. We won't make it, it's pointless to run. Talk, no more games. I don't know what it was. The jungle came alive. Go on. It happened very fast, not easy to describe. But you must have wounded it, unless my eyes deceive. When the big man was killed, its blood was on the leaves. If it bleeds, we can kill it. She discovered the key. There is proof we can wound it. So repeat after me. If it bleeds, we can kill it. If it bleeds, we can kill it. Yeah, now take a stand. Yeah, now take a stand. We can bring down this basket. We can bring down this basket. If we stick to the plan. If it bleeds, we can kill it. So...